you're not in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. Kender Outdoors. Come on into the camp house and make yourself at home. Welcome back to Kinder Outdoors, our once-a-week get-together where we drop the troubles of the world and go fishing for a little while, or maybe tell a good hunting story or two. <laughs> Front Door to the Camp House is brought to you by Calming Care. It's gentle. It works over time to settle the overactive dog, the overbarker, the overjumper, the overactive dog. Not a drug. Very gently, it settles your dog over time. Calming Care. A lot of people are having really good results with it. Learn more at kinderoutdoors.com. Hey, we have a birthday in the camp house today. Larry Wysoon, Mr. Whitetail, is celebrating, and we're celebrating with him. It's a Wysoon weekend at Kinder Outdoors. <laughs> Words of wisdom from Wysoon headed your way today. Some of our past conversations about things like how to go about choosing a hunting lease for white-tailed deer. And we're going to ask Larry to put his biologist hat on and talk to us about antlers. If you watch the antler growth on your cameras this time of year, it is just phenomenal what takes place. And we're going to break it down and talk about it with Larry Wysoon in just a little while. Also, R.J. Audrain IV caught a long-ear sunfish the other day in Missouri. It only weighed five ounces, but that was enough to rewrite the record books. It's a new state record. And we're going to talk to him about that. Oh, we're proud of his record, but it's the fact that his dad was the previous record holder, and he broke his record one year to the day after dad claimed the title. <laughs> that makes the story unique. RJ's coming up in just a little while. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and settle down in that chair right there. I'm glad you're in camp with us today at Kinder Outdoors. I was so happy to see Taku Ito in his second year on the Bassmaster Elites win that big tournament and pick up that $100,000 check on the St. Lawrence River last weekend. I'm a giant Taku fan. If you'll remember, he was on air with us during the Bassmaster Classic about a month ago explaining how he is scared of big fish. <laughs> That's not a good fear to have if you're a professional bass angler. Welcome, Taku. Good to see you. Good to see you. Hey, I want to talk to you about something. I was watching you on Lake Fork, mm -hmm. and uh, they were saying that you're scared of, of those great big bass. They scare you? The, the big ones? Yeah, so I don't like big bass because... <laughs> So big bass is uh, so strong, and uh, so team any team wise are into the oh, yeah. smart. Big bass is smart and the stack. No, so I, I like two pounder. The three pounder is uh, so very easy. Two and three pounders, yeah. But to win the tournament, you got to have those seven and eight and ten pounders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I need seven or eight pounder, but so I hope. No, no tree, no cover, open water, yeah. the time I caught. I'm with you. Okay, last year yeah. you caught a fish that had an eel yeah. attached to it. That that didn't work out good. That was bad. Yeah, so eel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so much bite eel. But, so I caught, so it's a little bit so scary, So, but I have never seen. It's a so crazy mouse. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so, what, what is it? So, I, I don't know. <laughs> My first time. So, I'm so, I'm so very, very, 
Now Vasil was so scared. Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yes. That would make everyone nervous. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Taku Ito <laughs> from Japan fishing the Bassmaster Elites. He's in his sophomore season, and he's a winner on the St. Lawrence River. He caught 26 pounds last Sunday. 26 pounds. He might have been scared of all of them, but that's better than a five-pound average on smallmouth bass. What a day. The big story out of New York last week, though, was Seth Fighter from Minnesota. He wrapped it up and wrapped his arms around a lifelong dream, Bassmaster Angler of the Year. Seth said, it's a lifetime of work ever since I was a little kid. Every minute fishing was to get this, and it feels amazing. Along with that AOY title comes a $100,000 check, a big monkey off of his back, and maybe a fresh haircut for the first time in a while. Uh, I got to know, is there magic in the hair? There's got to be something. There's got to be. Yeah, absolutely. If I cut this hair off tonight, I guarantee I would zero the next two days in the Bassmaster Classic. Samson and Giant Bass there. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. And so... When you're prepping for a tournament, do you have a particular barber you go to that you trust with this? Or I don't cut it at all from the moment the season starts until the season's over. Wow. So it really is the mojo is there. Absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk trimming one hair during the tournament or during the tournament season. Yeah. In the fall, give it a chop, and we'll start over. Yeah, deer season's a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So do you have you – know, you've, you've had a lot of success – uh, and you're a very successful pro angler. Um, do you have an insurance policy on this hair, or you know anything like that? Lord, Lords of London or Lloyd's of London, whatever they call them. I don't, but that's a really good idea. I See? might, I might have to think about that. <laughs> hey, maybe he's right. There's magic in the hair. Seth Fighter is the Bassmaster Elite Series Angler of the Year. Hey, keep an eye on that Angler of the Year race over on the other side, Major League Fishing's Bass Pro Tour. You got some heavyweights headed for the finish line over there. Folks like Ott Defoe and Jacob Wheeler, Brent Ayler and Justin Lucas. With just two events left on the tour this year, it is going to be a slugfest. Florida, Florida, if you own a dog, GI upset will happen. It's inevitable. You ought to keep it handy. Florida, Florida, keep it in the fridge. Hi, this is Bobby Labonte, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Imagine a change in Hollywood's message. Imagine a big screen version of your life, telling your story as a God-fearing, red-blooded hunter, manifesting your God-given right and skill to gather groceries in the woods and pray over them on the dinner table. Lots of folks seem to think this film is a great idea. This is Michael Waddell. I'm Toxie Hayes. Hey, this is your blood brother, Ted Nugent. And want to partner with you to build the first ever hunter-funded, God-glorifying movie centered around our hope, our heritage, our harvest. What this world needs is a hunter. You make this world a better place. Come on. TheHarvestMovie.com. The Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza shows are back this year and going to be in San Antonio at Freeman Coliseum Expo Hall, 
San Antonio is the third of three big shows. Houston kicks it off. Then it's Fort Worth, and they'll wrap things up August 20, 21, and 22 at Freeman Coliseum Expo Hall, San Antonio. Keep listening to win your free tickets from Kinder Outdoors. And block your calendar now, San Antonio, for the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza this August 20, 21, and 22. I'm Tom Watson with Bend Knee International, asking you to pray for the Navajo people of New Mexico and Arizona. The COVID-19 pandemic has hit these native people exceptionally hard. In many cases, multiple families live in the same home. Water is carried from muddy streams for household use, and medical care is many miles away. I simply ask that you join me in lifting them up to the Lord. To learn more, please visit BendedKnee.org. Crappie anglers, tired of tying knots? Hey, Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to tell you about the all-new Add-A-Hook by Bullet Weights. The Add-A-Hook is designed to put a hook on your line without using any knots or cutting your line. Hold the Add-A-Hook next to your fishing line, then wrap the line five times around each side, pull your line into the clips, and bam, you're ready to go, and it will not slip. I can tie a double crappie rig in 30 seconds when it takes up to six minutes to tie one with all the knots. Add a hook is made of stainless steel, no rust, flexible, and tough. Mr. Crappie and Bullet Weights has made it better, faster, and easier for crappie fishermen to get back in the water catching more crappie than ever. Bullet Weights has a full line of Mr. Crappie double mental rigs for trolling and vertical fishing. The Mr. Crappie Troll Check rigs are designed to troll in shallow waters and heavy cover, keeping two baits close together without hanging up. Also, don't forget Mr. Crappie Slow Troll and Double Drop Crappie Rigs. Pre-tied with number two hooks, double swivel weights, and eight-pound line. Tie one on today. Look us up at bulletweights.com. After spending a few days at Joshua Creek Ranch, I describe it as a sportsman's nirvana. We love creating a unique experience for each of our guests. You know, the interests can vary here from wing shooting to deer hunting to fly fishing to river kayaking. So we have a great variety of guests, and um, we like for them to enjoy everything we have to offer. As I enjoyed the birth of a new day over the rolling hill country ranch that is Joshua Creek, I was amazed at the wildlife, quail, pheasants, native white-tailed deer, trophy class axis deer. We've worked hard on the habitat, planted improved grasses, really with the help of some wildlife biologists studied what would make the best habitat to keep our game here. Mm -hmm. We can hunt easily six, seven, eight groups. And we don't try to do it on 40 acres. I mean, these people get to walk. They get to see some country. Joe and Ann Kirchival invite you to enjoy this free-range ranch just northwest of San Antonio. Visit JoshuaCreek.com. been dropped off in a remote wilderness where the bears outnumber people 10 to 1 and the mosquitoes have been known to carry off full-grown moose lucky join us in camp and tell us about it at kinder outdoors these have been really popular all summer long here at kinder outdoors and we continue today to give away those tickets to the texas trophy hunters extravaganzas i've got a six pack of tickets use them all at one show or go to all three. The first one is in Houston to kick off the month of August. Then the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganza moves to Fort Worth, the convention center. These tickets are good there if you wish. And then uh, they'll wrap it all up in San Antonio at Freeman Coliseum at the end of August. 
The Texas Trophy Hunters extravaganzas, we missed a year last year, first time ever, but they are back, and in a big way, Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio, and I've got a six-pack of tickets for you. All you have to do is register. Come see me at kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R, like kindergarten, K-I-N-D-E-R, kinderoutdoors.com. Hey, let's take a little trip to St. Louis, Missouri. Now, I want to talk to R.J. Audrain, Robert Audrain IV. Hey, R.J., welcome to the show, buddy. Uh, hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when people catch a, a sunfish, it's typically not big news, but yours is because uh, of several things. Uh, congratulations on the new state record there in Missouri for uh, the long-year sunfish. Uh, beautiful fish. I'm looking at a picture now, uh, and this fish weighed in at a whopping, what, five ounces? Is that right? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Good deal. Now, you were fishing from a, a private pond. Is that a place that, that uh, you go pretty frequently? It's got some nice sunfish in it? Um, yeah, we go there probably once a month in the summer. Um, okay. It's my uh, grandparents' lake house. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, and I, I tell you what, that's one of my favorite things to do in the spring summer is to catch those brim, we call them, you know, those sunfish, those big old filet-sized yeah. sunfish like, like you know, the one I'm I'm looking at you holding in this picture because they're pretty good to eat. Uh, yeah, I I don't think I've ever really tried one. I think I've just had bluegill and crappie, but uh, I'm sure they're good. Hard to beat those crappie, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you, you caught this what is a giant uh, because it's the new state record. Uh, are you going to fish mounted? Uh, yes, I am. Um, I don't know when, but I'm going to put it up next to my dad's. Awesome. Yeah. And now we need to let everybody know uh, another reason why this fish is uh, so special because you caught this fish on July 3rd and that was yeah. exactly one year after your dad caught the state record long ear sunfish, you broke his record one year to the day later. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. <laughs> it is crazy. I think maybe you should buy a lottery ticket or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was talking to your dad, and he said, yeah, I'm having my, my state record fish mounted, and uh, it's not even back from the taxidermist yet, and my son went out and broke my record. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a cool story that you guys are always uh, going to have together. Is he is he happy for you or giving you a hard time? Um, Y'all, I'm sure you're having some fun with it. Yeah, kind of both. Um, yeah, he's kind of proud of me, happy for me, and just obviously, you know, he's my dad, so he has to give me a hard time with it. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so were you fishing for, for sunfish when you caught when you caught this big long ear? Yeah. Okay. Are there crappie in this tank, in this pond? Uh, yeah, there's crappie, bluegills, um, any kind of really fish for the most part. In okay. Well, that's a, that's just a whole lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure mom is on your side. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's incredible. 13 years old, you've got, you've got a state record now. So does that make you think, huh? I bet there's some other records out there that I could go get. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a funny story of how I actually uh, caught, how like we realized how the state record was so low. Um, it's because I caught a really big one on my pole, 
line and was we uh we were fishing in the boat and it escaped out of the basket oh, um, no. so then my my dad said hey we should probably go check to see because i'm pretty sure that was close and we saw that the record was only three ounces and for alternative methods and uh yeah and the next year he came and got it <laughs> and and State record with alternative uh, methods. What what are alternative methods? Um, I think pretty much anything but um, like a reel and a line. So I I caught mine on a hand line, um, but I know there's that you can catch them other ways to get the record. Uh, well, your fish is going to hang right next next to your dad's, uh, I guess, there at home, and that'll be a great story for you guys to share from from now on. And I knew that everybody would want to hear from the the boys in Missouri that are catching these giant long ear sunfish. Yeah. Uh, and it'll always be that way, and give you something to pass on to your kids uh, on this down the line. And who knows, they may come along and break your record one of these days, Maybe. right? Yeah. That's- <laughs> That would be funny. And, and it may happen on July the 3rd. You never know. That that needs to be, you know, like a regular family fishing day for you guys now, <laughs> July. You, yeah. Because you literally, you, you caught this fish within a couple of hours of being exactly one year, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I wasn't there with him when he caught his, so I don't know what time it was. But it was, um, yeah, probably really close. Well, congratulations. Uh, on that uh, new state record, go get another one, okay? Okay, thank you. RJ, thanks for the time. It's been a lot of fun. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> RJ Ardrain knocked his dad off the mountain. <laughs> this corner of the camp house is brought to you by Calming Care that very safely and gently settles the overactive dog. Learn more about Calming Care at kinderoutdoors.com. Happy birthday, Larry Wysoon. It's a Wysoon weekend at Kinder Outdoors. And I tell you what, it's always a good time when we get together, Larry. Billy, this is one of the favorite things I get to do is to share a conversation with you and the folks that are out there. And, and you know, it, it's one of those things a lot of times, you know, I'll start talking a little bit about some direction and then all of a sudden we'll change direction. So you never quite know what's <laughs> going to come out. And I really, truly appreciate that. Well, you know, we could be talking about something deep and scientific one minute and then, uh, you know, your favorite crappie frying recipe the next. You just never know. Mm, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you know, we had to have you on uh, with us live this weekend because uh, we're going back and playing a lot of pieces, as you know, uh, from, from our previous conversations. It's kind of a, a best of Mr. Whitetail weekend at Kinder Outdoors, so. Uh, you are a oh, guest uh, on it. <laughs> I am truly honored. I'll tell you, there, there's no place I'd rather be that than with your show. Let me tell you that as well, too. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about antler growth. I'm getting all these great pictures uh, back from from uh, areas where I hunt, and it's almost day by day, Larry, that I can see an inch or two inch or four inches, it looks like, of growth in these different deer that are coming to visit my camera. Uh, it's just amazing what God did when he created antler growth and how rapidly that cycle takes place. You know, if you look at it from a scientific perspective, the only thing that grows faster than antlers are some of the cancer cells kind of thing. And you're right. Literally, if if you or I or whoever could sit there over a period of about, say, six hours, eight hours, you could actually see that antler growing. That's how fast it grows. And uh, it is. And we're we're probably, oh, my God, maybe about 
maybe half of uh, the way along. I've looked at some pictures of some bucks that really looking good this year, and uh, it's going to be a heck of an antler year. But you're right, those the antlers this year, we've had good pond survival rates in the years back, like three, four, five, six years ago, and uh, there are lots of bucks. Seems like there were more buck ponds barring during that time frame. And oh my gosh, it, it's getting exciting at this point again. It is. Every lap around the calendar is just as exciting as the very first trip. Larry, if you will, hang on. I want to talk to you more about antlers and that antler cycle, antler growth, coming up in just a little while. Also, Larry and I, when we come back from the coffee pot, will renew an old conversation that we had about how to choose a deer lease. Hi, this is Jim Zumbo, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. The granddaddy of all hunting shows, The Hunter's Extravaganza, returns to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. Bring the kids and see Gator Country's huge alligators and last season's bucks in our annual deer contest. Check out the latest in hunting gadgets and gear and enter our locked and loaded mega giveaway to win big. The Hunter's Extravaganza, coming this summer to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. For details and tickets, go to Hunter'sExtravaganza.com. A Texas Trophy Hunters production. You'll know Toby Meadows when you run into him on the lot there at Classic Chevrolet in Grapevine because on his name tag is a big green bass. <laughs> He's earned the right to wear that big fish around. He's caught three over ten pounds. Yes, sir. Three times, uh, twice on Lake Fork and once on Lake Conroe. This lifelong passion for Toby started in the cab of that old Chevy truck, headed for the fishing hole, a long time ago. I had an uncle, Uncle Jim, got me started. And it was just a little cork popper with little black and yellow feathers. Looked like a bumblebee, and that started it all. Three ten-pounders and 19 years with the classic grapevine family. And Toby is still going down the road in that Chevy truck. These days, though, it's a little newer, a little less bumpy, and a whole lot more powerful. Yes, it is. I like it, too, especially that diesel. Got that half-ton diesel. It's good. Nice truck. Lifelong memories await your bunch in the cab of the truck. Get started at ClassicChevrolet.com. It's time to get doves and ducks on your mind. And, hey, deer season is just around the corner. Ramp it up this year with help from Marksman Firearms in Mansfield, Killeen, Wichita Falls, and Granbury. Rifles, pistols, shotguns, ammo, and accessories. Marksman makes it easy, too, with same-as-cash 90-day layaway. Military and first responders enjoy a 10% discount. New to shooting? No problem. Marksman Firearms has knowledgeable pros that love to help. Make your mark at Marksman. MarksmanFirearms.com If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky oily messes, then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom. So your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, Never duplicate it. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, delicious every time. 
CajunFryer.com. Now, more than maybe ever, we could all use a little getaway. And the Vineyards Campground and Cabins in Grapevine, Texas is the perfect spot. We are open for business and with well-thought-out precautions to help keep our guests safe. Bring the RV and enjoy our full-service hookups complete with cable TV, ramped-up Wi-Fi, and space to spread around while enjoying a great view of Grapevine Lake. We can comfortably accommodate any size RV or motorhome with plenty of pull-through sites. The Vineyards also features spacious lakefront cabins, fully equipped with all that you and your family will need to enjoy comfort camping. Our campground store is well-stocked with everything from groceries and ice to firewood and fishing supplies. Don't forget to bring the boat! The Vineyards Campground and Cabins features a private boat ramp with plenty of parking, a private beach, kayak, bicycle and paddleboard rentals, and even a full-service laundry on-site. Come to the Vineyards! We're right in the middle of Dallas-Fort Worth, but you'll feel millions of miles away. VineyardsCampground.com It is the dream of the animal rights fanatics to suppress your most natural connection to the earth. To sell you a life filled with urban fascinations. To ignore that death is life's unwavering partner. Together, creating a relationship between predator and prey that makes it possible for us all to survive. To the hunter, this world's most honest steward, these fantasies are the poisonous, perverted manipulations of social misfits who would take this planet hostage. They should startle you and awaken you to trust the hunter in your blood. God for the freedom, our men and women that defend it, and the Constitution that guarantees it. Welcome to camp with Kinder Outdoors. Hey, welcome back to camp. I'm Billy Kinder. This is Kinder Outdoors, the Congressional Sportsman's Caucus. They come together once a year for the annual Clays Competition. Yes, these are United States congressmen in Washington, D.C. There's a Democratic team and there is a Republican team. They shoot Trap, skeet, and sporting clays. This past Monday was the day for 2021, and the final scores are Team Democrat, led by Congresswoman Debbie Dingell of Michigan, tallied up a score of 191. Team Republican, led by Congressman Richard Hudson of North Carolina, finished with a winning score of 286. You know, this is a time of year when a lot of folks are out looking for property that they'll be hunting this fall. They want to lease a piece of land. What should go into that? What should we look for when we pull through the gate? My friend Larry Wysoon on this Wysoon weekend and I, happy birthday, Larry, had that conversation a couple of years ago. Always. You know, one of the things I really enjoy is being able to spend time with you on the radio. That's one of my great pleasures. That's not the any smoke. It's just the truth, by golly. I appreciate your friendship. 
appreciate your time and the opportunity to visit with you. Well, we're kind of cut from the same jib. We have a lot in uh, in common. Yes, <laughs> and one of one of those things is white-tailed deer. We both love white-tailed deer. You've earned your name, Mr. White-tailed. I haven't got a good moniker like that yet, but uh, <laughs> I love to hunt white-tailed deer, and I love every facet of it, Larry. I love looking at new property and evaluating properties that I might want to lease, um, and that can really vary. If you're in Montana, that's one thing. If you're in South Texas, that's another. Uh, Florida. It's a whole nother animal down there. 20 acres in Florida might be all you need. What are you looking for in general when you pull into a place and you're thinking you might want to spend your hard-earned money to lease this property? There are several things that I look at, of course, to some extent size, to some extent uh, what kind of practices the neighbors have. I enjoy hunting mature deer. They don't have to be big-bodied or huge antlered. It's like, you know, to me, the, the challenge comes in and, in hunting a, a buck at four and a half years of age. So I want to see, I want to know something about that general area to begin with. And, and I'll do my homework a little bit ahead of time before I actually get on the property. And what I'll do is I'll try to get in touch with the local wildlife biologist or the, if, if not a wild biologist, a warden and try to get an idea of what the deer density is in that area. And also to some extent what the, uh, the, uh, the buck to doe ratio generally is. I'm not going to ask a whole lot about size or anything like that. And then, two, if at all possible, I want to be able to find out what kind of farm survival rate that area has had over the last, say, four to five years. Because if if, if there have been very few farms in that area barn, there's not going to be very many mature deer that I'm looking for. So that's one thing on the, on the population and the, and the density and the composition sort of thing. And then Beyond that, I want, I want to look and see what kind of deer browse is there to try to get an idea. Is there, is there food available there? Is there is it an area that these deer have maybe passed through from a from a bedding area to a, a feeding area? Are there some little creek bottoms or little areas that are some dense thickets that deer can move through? And, and uh, just kind of get a general idea. And then, too, I'm going to spend some time walking once I get there while I'm looking at some of the browse. Of course, I'm going to look for tracks. I'm going to be looking for deer while I'm out walking. But also, I'm going to look for, for rubs. I, I want to know that there's bucks on the property that have been rubbing their antlers. And, and uh, it depending on the time of the year, too, I'll, I'll look for scrapes if it's late winter. And, and even during the summertime, a lot of times you can see where deer has been scraping the ground and certainly see where they've been rubbing. So all those kind of give me a pretty good indication as to uh, what might be there, and, and then you know, is it a huntable a huntable uh, property? I mean, it, uh, is, how big is it? And it, you know, can I set up deer stands? Can I can I still hunt? Can I, you know, feel like I might be able to rattle up a buck? There's several things that kind of come into play as I'm looking at all these things that will help me to decide where if this is indeed is the property that I'm going to want to hunt in the future. All critters, I don't care if they're a human being or a white-tailed deer or a bobwhite quail, need three things, food, cover, and water. How do you yes, prioritize sir. those three when you're when you're looking at that property? Uh, do you have to have a water hole right there? I, you know, I'd, I'd love for there to be one, but, uh, you know, if I know something about that general area, then it, you're always good. It's always good as far as I'm concerned from a hunting perspective to have water on the property. And, and again, it, it, it's... I like to fish a little bit too, and I like to jerk an old perch out of water <laughs> once in a while. You know, so that that is that is an added benefit in terms of prioritizing. 
uh, if, if there's food there, there's probably going to be cover there because, I mean, uh, there's going to be brush cover and, and uh, hide and cover or, or tall grass. So I, I think food probably in most instances is going to be uh, a, a primary thing. And if there's food there, there's a pretty good chance that there's some water there in the area as well, too. So, and then cover, uh, of course, cover, deer adapt. I mean, it, it, if you remember over the years, you know, we've had been in the CRP programs and brought back a lot of the grasslands in the Midwest. And some of the biggest bucks that you find, you find out in that tall grass, the taller grass country. And so if, if there's tall grass there in certain areas, then certainly there's sufficient cover for those deer to, to stay on that property. You bet. You know, one thing that a lot of guys don't look at, they pull through the gate, they fall in love with the property. This is absolutely perfect. But it's something that I've always insisted has to be right, too. I want to meet the owner of that property or the manager that I'm going to be dealing with, and I want to take them to lunch and make sure that we jive, that we get along. Absolutely. Uh, and this is not someone that's going to come in halfway through the season uh, and throw us all off the lease. Absolutely. I, I, I got off of a lease before we ever got truly into it about three years ago uh, up around Rock Springs and got to, to, to after I got to meet the landowner and, and got to really visit with him, uh, I found out very quickly that he had a whole lot of different ideas about hunting uh, and leasing than, than what I did because he was going to bring in all kinds of different friends to take the does and do this and do that and then this rule change and that rule change. And thankfully, I found out I found all this for the, for the season to really open. And, and it, it was it was beautiful property and, and it was property that I really would have liked to hunt it. But uh, I could tell once visiting with him, and that's exactly what I did. I called him, set up a, a, a breakfast in in my instance. I says, hey, let's just get together and breakfast, have breakfast, coffee, and and uh, we did, and when I left there, I thought about it a little bit, and I turned around and went back. and said, you know, I, I think I better not be involved in this particular property. Yeah, it's so very important because it can it can take a great piece of property and a, and a great group of friends and divide them and cause all kinds of problems. So that's something really important that, uh, that you ought to take and a look at. Exactly, and it's not worth it to, to to get in that kind of situation. I mean, there are other properties no. available, and, and uh, may take a little bit more time to find out exactly what you're looking for. But I think if you invest that time and that effort, then it certainly pays off in the long run. Sounds like another wonderful fall, and aren't we blessed to have uh, one? It's the best time of year. It it is. I, I'm sure you've got some absolutely fantastic hunts coming up, and then you know somewhere here before too very long, you'd be since we moved to uh, Branham, you're going to have to kind of slide down here and let's go buy Bluebell ice cream and have an ice cream. And while we're there, we'll plan some kind of we, – we got to plan a fishing trip on top of all these hunting trips as well. I bet we can squeeze it in there. Larry, be safe going down the road. Have a great fall, and I don't know where it'll be, but we'll bump into each other before too long, I'm sure. I'll surely be at DFC convention, but I look forward to something for that. That's a conversation that Mr. Whitetail Larry Wysoon and I had a couple of years ago about how to go about choosing a piece of property to lease for hunting. Live Larry is standing by <laughs> on that Kinder Outdoors trot line from his piece of property down in the Texas Hill Country, and we'll rejoin him when we come back from the coffee pot. You know what? We smell like fish, and we're proud of it. I'm Mike Iaconelli, and this is Kinder Outdoors. 
Hey, I want to let you know about something that's brand new and coming to South Dakota this fall. The Dead Rabbit Lodge. <laughs> you see, the owner received his higher learning from the University of South Dakota, the Coyotes. The dreaded enemy of the University of South Dakota Coyotes is the South Dakota State University Jackrabbits. Therefore, the name, the Dead Rabbit. The Dead Rabbit Lodge sits on the eastern bluffs of Big Blue Lake Owyhee. The view from your giant Western Canada Red Cedar Lodging stretches from the dam to the south almost all the way up to North Dakota. The Big Lodge is finest splendor from top to bottom, perfect for big family or corporate groups. But the Dead Rabbit will also feature separate hotel-style rooms, a great game room and bar for entertaining, guest-only dining featuring the Rabbit's award-winning chef, oh, and about 40,000 acres of the finest pheasant hunting in the world. You won't forget the dead rabbit. It's really exciting to see right now. Uh, one thing that's great about archery is anybody can do it. Men, women, or children, everybody can do this. Um, our lessons right now are fantastic. We see entire family groups come in, have a great time, and they're finding out that this is something that is a great pastime, great sport, and everybody can be successful in. Americans are learning what a huge benefit it is to learn to hunt, learn to fish, Learn to put safe and wholesome food on our tables. Cinnamon Creek Archery in Roanoke, Texas, has taught many thousands of families about the great sport of archery. People who thought they could just never do that now enjoy the range and harvesting their own wild game. You can't just sell somebody a bow and say, hey, good luck. You need to be able to take them aside, teach them the fundamentals, teach them how to shoot correctly so that they can be as successful as possible and really enjoy our sport. Visit CinnamonCreekRanch.com and discover the great knowledge and satisfaction that so many other families have found in archery. As I travel the nation on great hunting and fishing adventures, I find true treasures along the trail, places that are a must-stop every time we pass through. One of those places is the Buffalo Gold Herdware Store in Goodnight, Texas. This is the only place on earth that features all things buffalo. Historical artwork featuring the West and, of course, the bison. Jewelry collections from Santa Fe's Turquoise Moon, Native Bay, and many more. Handmade Damascus steel knives, including the newly designed steak knife collection. On my most recent stop at Buffalo Gold in the Texas Panhandle, I bought an extremely comfortable pair of buffalo hide boots and another pair of buffalo wool socks. The socks, hats, gloves, and beanies are the softest and warmest that I've ever owned, and trust me, I've been through them all. Usable and unique. The Buffalo Gold Herdware Store is on Highway 287, just 40 miles southeast of Amarillo. A short drive and worth the trip from Oklahoma, New Mexico, and Colorado. And for folks further away, shop them online at buffalogold.net. National outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby knows of what he writes. I think I probably hunted in just about every western state. Uh, yeah, and I fly fished in a lot of those places. He's fished the waters, walked the land, and harvested the game that makes him authentic. That's where the basis of that comes from. I wanted to make this really authentic, and I wanted people to identify with it. Guys like you and I have a real hard time finding good stuff to read because it's written by guys that just don't know what the heck they're writing about and guys like you and i we read two pages and we say hey that's phony this is this is not the way it is ever since the old man in the sea fishing novels have been scarce on the horizon that was until national outdoor writer ken kirkaby wrote his blue water classic the tournament chuck winchler of sporting classics says you can read the tournament in about the time it takes to catch a big marlin and every moment will be just as fun just as exciting Jennifer Mayhall of Paradise This Week says, The tournament reels you into the world of sport fishing and doesn't let you go. 
The Tournament by Ken Kirkaby. Get it on Amazon. If you boys are taking that old flat bottom out, don't forget these coffee cans. Just like life, you'll need to bail a little water now and then. This is Life in the Camp House at Kinder Outdoors. Hey, you know, here at Kinder Outdoors, we've got a great stable of pros that we lean on. Folks like Gary Klein and Kelly Jordan, Ronnie Smith, Tom Dockin, Carl Gunzer, Bob West, Wally Marshall. And our big game guy is birthday boy this weekend, Larry Wysoon. We're featuring a lot of Wysoon wisdom throughout the show today, stuff that Larry and I have talked about over the past several years. But I've got him on the Kinder Outdoors trot line right now, and we're talking about antlers. Larry, uh, particularly here in Texas, we've been wet, been really, really wet. But out west, man, terrible drought all up and down the west coast. Um Horrible drought and wildfires dry for long periods of time. So what have those guys got to look forward to? Is that going to affect their antler growth, and is it going to affect them negatively, as most people think? Will antlers grow better in a wet year or a dry year? That's the old conundrum. (laughs) You know, it depends a whole lot upon what that vegetation is used to. Is a lot of the desert country when you have a lot of, you know, our habitats, as far as deer are concerned, at least in the western, say, two-thirds, are kind of a semi-desert kind of thing in a relatively normal year, meaning a reasonable amount of rainfall, but it's very timely. It seems like the nutrition is better in the vegetation that they eat than compared to when they have that lot of rain in that desert situation where you get tremendous spurts of growth in the vegetation. doesn't seem that the nutrition is carried to the tips of those that growing vegetation when it grows that fast compared to when you have kind of a normal year. So uh, it's going to be interesting in, in, in a lot of respects. I know in parts of Texas, like on my little place, in July, I think I've had 17 inches of rain alone. And, I mean, it is one of those situations where things are growing up. I can't see palms. I can see the uh, right now. I just barely see the tips of ears and the tips of antlers on some of the little bucks that are out there. So it, it's an interesting year, but again, it kind of comes down to the fact in some areas where we have a fair amount of rainfall, it ought to really be good. And then in some instances where those desert situations where you have a tremendous amount of rain, sometimes that nutrition isn't quite there. So, but either way, it's going to be across the board a really good antler year, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and so, Given that that weather info uh, from Larry, you guys that hunt elk and mule deer out west, uh, take heart. It might be a better year than maybe what you were anticipating with all that uh, that drought and, and terrible dryness uh, going on out west. I was up on the Valentine National Grasslands in Nebraska a few years yes, back, and I was visiting with the biologist there, Mel Miniman, and and we were looking at some young elk, uh, and some some bull elk in the uh, summertime out grazing, and uh, and I said, Mel, how fast do those antlers grow? And he said, well, I think, you know, in a good year, about four inches a day. <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? He said, no. He said, I think at the height of growth, four inches a day happens. And, and that made me start paying more attention to it than I ever have. It's phenomenal how fast they can grow these antlers. 
It really is. And on elk, of course, you're dealing with a bigger body animal. Same thing with the moose, and they've got to produce more antlers than comparative probably to or maybe about the same as what you do to white-tailed deer. But if you took that percentage of, in terms of weight and size and reduced it down to uh, a white-tailed deer, so basically, you know, you're talking about a half an inch or so, maybe even a three-quarters of an inch. In certain times of, the, of that growth stage, it may grow a full inch or better almost in a day. Yeah, and I'm seeing it on camera. It's just crazy. I said, I've got to talk to Larry about how fast these antlers are growing. And I hope they grow right up that, like that, right up until the minute I pull that trigger. Uh, keep growing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine with me. Talk, uh, for, for those folks that are just listening, we've got a lot of brand new hunters and they're just getting started, Larry. Talk to us about the cycle on a white-tailed deer. Uh, the, the antler cycle. The antler cycle, we'll pick it up where we are right about now, where these antlers are growing in velvet, and that velvet produces or carries the nutrition and nutrients such as calcium, phosphorus, oh, gosh, manganese, zinc, copper, protein, up into those antlers. So it's going to grow, and what's happening is is the testosterone level kind of controls antler cycle development. So the testosterone level is going up right now, same time as what these antlers are growing. There's a period of time coming about the time when those antlers are completely grown that, uh, and that usually in across North America on whitetails is usually in, in, in September sometime. There is a peak in testosterone that constricts the blood vessels that go up into what's producing the antlers. So that velvet essentially dies. Now a lot of bucks will help rub it off because it's kind of starting to crack and there may still be some nerves there so they're starting to itch so they rub it off and in most instances they'll eat it that testosterone level continues to grow a little bit going up and for a while the bucks are all still big buddies and in bachelor herds and they'll groom each other and then the next thing you know they start kind of sparring just amongst themselves a little bit and they're still kind of halfway buddies but all of a sudden too that that testosterone level again takes another little bit of a jump and the guy that was uh, your best friend as a buck, all of a sudden you can't stand him anymore. And then you go into the to that breeding season is where that testosterone level is at, at an all-time high. It stays that way until, and it's all daylight related. The amount of daylight hours when you get right down to it is, uh, controls how that testosterone goes up or down. And it'll, that testosterone level will stay high across the North America probably until about, in the northern parts, probably till about December, farther south here, you know, into January and even February, then all of a sudden there is a drop in testosterone. And when that drop occurs, that's when that abscission line, where that antler attaches to the pedicle, it's interesting in that an hour before that antler is ready to drop off, you can be, you can break off with a baseball bat. But when it occurs, it occurs very immediately. There's an abscission line, the antler falls off. Testosterone level kind of goes down for a little bit for a few days, and then it generally starts going up, slowly, slowly going up. And as it slowly starts going up again, that's when you start seeing the, the skin covered, the, the pedicle, and, and the formation of the new antler. And so it's a continually thing that goes on throughout the year, and it has to do a lot with the amount of daylight hours that that deer is seeing or getting, and then also the rise and fall of testosterone. Now, interestingly, you can, can take it to a point where in years past we did some research back in trolling light. You could actually grow two sets of antlers on a, on a buck's head each year. Wow. Phenomenal stuff. It's just it amazing. And, and, you, and you and I have, have looked at this stuff, and you've studied it deeply for a lifetime, and it still just amazes me, Larry. It's amazing. The mystery of uh, antler development, there's a lot of mysteries over the years that we've solved, but when you get right down to it, we kind of 
we we know how some things happen, why some things happen, but to say, okay, this is the definitive thing that you know, no, nobody's really ever been able to say that this is exactly what it is. Wow, just amazing. Uh, this is what this is. We're going to have a Dallas Safari Club convention and expo in January in person. In person, and I am so excited. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is our 40th one. So it is going to be an unbelievable show, if you will. Oh, my goodness, yeah. People are already, you know, making their reservations and taking time off, blocking it out. They're going to come from all over the world. Make sure you're one of them. Learn more at kinderoutdoors.com. We've got it all there. As always, Larry, good talking to you. We'll see you soon. I'm looking forward to visiting with you the first morning of deer season, if not sooner. <laughs> my buddy Larry Wysoon, Mr. Whitetail, he was talking about the first morning of deer season. It's a become a tradition between Larry and myself. We both get in the deer blind really, really early, maybe an hour and a half, two hours before uh, daylight sometimes, primarily because we're just so doggone excited we can't wait any longer. Uh, but to let things settle down and uh, soak up the moment and enjoy uh, yet another opening day that God has blessed us with. But that has become texting time uh, for the two of us, opening day of the Texas rifle season. No matter where we are or what we're up to or who we're hunting with, those pre-dawn texts will go back and forth there as we use technology to enjoy each other's company and kick off a brand new fall. Well, hey, let's stretch our legs for a few minutes, grab a fresh cup of coffee, maybe a biscuit. I'm really happy that you're in camp with us this weekend at Kinder Outdoors. Thanks. God we trust. That fishing story you just told, not so much. Come on, it's camp house time at Kinder Outdoors. You're always welcome around our campfire here at Kinder Outdoors. Thanks for hanging out with us. This corner of the camp house is brought to you by Purina Pro Plan. We've got some of the very top dog trainers in North America uh, that share their good advice and dog training counsel with us here at Kinder Outdoors. Guys like Tom Dockin and Ronnie Smith, Delmer Smith, Rick Smith from time to time, Bob West, Carl Gunzer, all Purina Pro Plan guys. Pro Plan performance, 30% protein, 20% fat. There's nothing better 12 months out of the year for your hardworking bird dog than Pro Plan performance. Pick it up at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. It's a Wysoon weekend. Larry Wysoon, more of his wisdom on the way in just a little while. Folks with the Arizona Game and Fish Department are on the lookout. They're trying to track down the person or persons that shot and killed a mature desert bighorn sheep ram in Game Management Unit 39 in the Buckeye Hills at Gillespie Dam, just south of Buckeye. The killing of this ram took place July 10th, and Arizona Game and Fish Department officials have reason to believe it was a group of five Asian males that were seen leaving the scene at approximately 8.30 in the evening. They were in a gray sedan, and a black sport utility vehicle may have been involved in this incident. Think back. Were you in that area? Did you see anything? If so, it could be worth $1,500 to you. If you report that info to 
Arizona's Operation Game Thief Hotline, 800-352-0700. And oh, by the way, the Arizona Desert Bighorn Sheep Society is offering an additional reward of $1,000 for information that leads to a conviction. This is the coolest story that I know of to come out of the bass fishing world this year. It happened during the 2021 Bassmaster Bass Nation Kayak Series National Championship. They were fishing on Possum Kingdom Lake, Texas. Joe McElroy from Coleman, Alabama won that $5,000 top prize and then immediately handed that money over to 7th place finisher Jason Barofka of Levon, Texas. Why? Because Jason's son, 2-year-old JT, suffers from, I'm going to give this a try, triosophate isomerize deficiency. It's an extremely rare disorder. In fact, there are only five known cases on planet Earth. When Jason came across the weigh-in stage, he used that platform to raise awareness for this disease and to try and generate support for his son's ongoing medical needs. McElroy was listening in the wings, and when he came across the stage and his weight won the tourney, he didn't hold on to that check for more than a few seconds. He knew he needed to hand that money over to little JT, and he did. Way to go, Joe McElroy. Well done. I got a note from my friend Gray Thornton with the Wild Sheep Foundation the other day. Gray and the Wild Sheep Foundation are up in Bozeman, Montana, and they want to invite you to an open house. August 6th, 412 Pronghorn Trail there in Bozeman. From 4 until 8, they're going to have food, drinks, live music, ice cream. <laughs> WSF Smoke Master Larry Hassel is smoking the sausage and jalapeno poppers and the brisket, ribs, chicken, potato salad, baked beans. They've got it all, and it's all on the house. The Wild Sheep Foundation, Bozeman, Montana, Friday, August 6th. They'd love to see you. If you don't feed Purina Pro Plan and you do love your dog, here's what I want you to do today. Drop by an Atwoods Ranch and Home Store. Pick out the Pro Plan, Purina Pro Plan formula that best fits your dog's age and lifestyle. Take pictures of your dog. Keep a close eye on what happens over the next few weeks because you are going to have a healthier dog as a result of this change. I've just seen it too many times not to know, not to speak with confidence. Pro Plan, the absolute best fuel that you can give your dog. I love this. They do it in Colorado every year. They had invasive smallmouth bass at Ridgeway State Park. They needed to get them out a few years ago, and they said, let's make a contest out of this. And they have, and it's popular. It's the seventh year now with big prizes. You could win as much as $5,000. Go catch a smallmouth bass out of Ridgeway State Park. You don't need to register or anything else. Just go catch that smallmouth. As a matter of fact, the more smallies you catch, the better chance you have of winning. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is offering $10,000 in cash prizes through August 8th. This is bad. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has received a report. It was actually back in late June that invasive silver carp had been spotted on Choctaw Creek. That's a tributary 
of the Red River about 15 miles downstream from Lake Texoma. You had to know with the spread of these critters that eventually it would branch out westward, and here we go. Hey, have you blocked out your time and made your plans yet to attend the 2021 NRA Annual Meetings and Exhibits? Houston, Texas, George R. Brown Convention Center, September 3, 4, and 5. 150th NRA Annual Meetings and Exhibits. Let's grab a quick cup of coffee and meet back here. Larry Wysoon's going to tell us everything you ever wanted to know about white-tailed does. Hi, I'm Toxie Hayes. I'm Cus Strickland. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it. In my mossy oak. With Kinder Outdoors. It's time to get doves and ducks on your mind. And hey, deer season is just around the corner. Ramp it up this year with help from Marksman Firearms in Mansfield, Killeen, Wichita Falls, and Granbury. Rifles, pistols, shotguns, ammo, and accessories. Marksman makes it easy, too, with same-as-cash 90-day layaway. Military and first responders enjoy a 10% discount. New to shooting? No problem. Marksman Firearms has knowledgeable pros that love to help. Make your mark at Marksman. MarksmanFirearms.com. The Quail Coalition. The backbone for the important work and research that brings brighter days for our quails and the people that love them. With 12 chapters throughout Texas, there's ample opportunity for you to join the celebration. The money raised in our chapter banquets goes to various research projects conducted by folks like the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in West Texas, Caesar Kleberg Wildlife Research Institute in South Texas, and all that pursue productive science-based work that sustains and restores wild quail populations. If you've ever followed your trusted bird dog into a setting December sun or listened from the porch to the summer song of the bobwhite, then you know just how special this bird is. Populations have declined drastically across the U.S., and the last stronghold is Texas. Come and join the Quail Coalition. Attend a banquet. Bid at an auction. Be important to quail. Quailcoalition.org. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder. If you offer goods or services to the outdoorsman or woman, Kinder Outdoors is the perfect place to spread the word. At Kinder Outdoors, we reach tens of thousands of hunters, anglers, and outdoors folks each week that would appreciate hearing about you. For more information, visit KinderOutdoors.com and click the Advertise button. Then view our media kit and give Audra a call. Outdoor gear and skills are in high demand right now. Let us hear from you. Roy Holdridge and True Life Taxidermy in Granbury, Texas are award-winning artists many times over and for several reasons. God-given talent is the starting point, followed by a work ethic that won't allow second best. Roy is also a lifelong and well-traveled hunter. He spent countless hours in the field glassing and studying wildlife around the globe. When you trust your rare and timeless memory to True Life Taxidermy Granbury, be assured that you're working with the very best in the business. My home is a testament to Roy's work at True Life Taxidermy. The pheasants, the whitetails, the axis, the fish, all perfectly preserved. True Life Granberry is the only stop you need to make after the hunt, offering not only world-class taxidermy, but wild game processing too. Headed for Africa, New Zealand, Colorado, Montana, or any place else? No problem. True Life is well-versed in import and transport state-to-state -state or around the globe. 
You can trust True Life Taxidermy. TrueLifeTaxidermy.org. Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. Grass-fed beef is high in omega-3s and conjugated linoleic acid, which is known as CLAs. In layman terms, it's a type of fat that your body can use, and it doesn't damage your heart or any part of your vascular system. Buy better beef for your family. We manage holistically, or some people call it regeneratively. We want everything that we do to be a part of our good stewardship of the land. We think that's what God's put us here to do, so... The cattle are healthy and the land's healthy. We want both. We don't want one or the other. If you were to buy a grass-fed, grass-finished steak by the pound, you'd pay anywhere from 18 to $30 a pound. But if you buy a quarter, half, or whole, you're ranging from anywhere $7.80 and below. So you're paying a third of the price for that steak and, you know, those good cuts. And you get a whole lot more bang for your buck when you buy in bulk. Don't let 2020 happen in your home again. CanyonValleyProvisions.com. Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations. The coffee's always on, and the conservation is always good. Make sure you bring a youngin' or two. Together, let's teach them what heritage and tradition looks like. This is the Big Billy Kender Outdoors Camp House. Thank you so very much for listening to Kinder Outdoors, whether that's a AM, FM, Sirius XM, or a podcast. Thank you. We greatly appreciate you. You can catch our podcast, get a free weekly download wherever you get your downloads. We're everywhere, literally. And you don't even have to remind them each week. Just let them know that you want Kinder Outdoors. They'll send you that free weekly download directly to your laptop, uh, handheld device, your iPad, whatever, every week. Listen at your convenience. It's a Wysoon weekend on Kinder Outdoors. Here's a conversation we had about a year ago with Mr. Whitetail, Larry Wysoon, all about whitetail does. Hey, I want to talk to you a little bit about does today. We talk about bucks and antlers and all this good stuff all the time. I want to talk about does. There's a lot that we can learn there. And let's start with the breeding age of does, how early, how young can these does uh, start to breed? When can they get pregnant? When you're talking about whitetail deer, generally if that fawn, if you will, is in really good body condition by the time she is six months old, it's very possible for her to get bred at that point. You know, sometimes we hear about uh, secondary ruts and all those kind of things that occur, you know, two or three weeks or a month or even sometimes like almost six weeks past the uh, traditional rut. And a lot of times people think this is because of individual does that did not settle on the first go-round. But a lot of times what it really is is those six-month-old doe fawns coming into their first estrus period. And that's usually when that occurs is that four to six weeks later. So a lot of times, too, we'll see fawns, maybe spotted fawns, or a lot of fawns in Texas particularly, or, or other places were born in May. But yet, then when you notice sometimes, you'll see fawns in July and August and even September. And those are generally because of the fact that those six-month-old doe fawns got bred very late in the in the fall or in the early winter, actually. Yeah, wow. I've actually seen fading spots on, on does or, or on young deer uh, in right. deer season, late into the fall. Um, October, November. So that's yes, pretty sir. wild. I'll be darned six months of age. And what about on the other end of that? Uh, you know, we know that 
our old bucks, they progress to a point, and then they start to decline a little. I would think that that's true, too, with our does. It, it is to a point, but as long as that doe is on a good nutritional basis where she's got, you know, fair quality of food to eat, I know of one or two does that we had tagged uh, out in an open area. I mean, these were – actually what they were is they were uh, fawns that were picked up and were raised by people, and then they had to do something with it. They had to turn them loose. And so these were tagged, and we had some does that we had ear tags in that – up until their 19th year, we're still producing fawns. But they were on a good oh nutritional word. basis. So it, it's not unusual for those does to continue, as, again, as long as they've got plenty to eat and those kind of things, that they can continue producing fawns well in past 10, 12, 14 years of age. Oh, my goodness. And I know the next question that everybody driving along in their pickup truck right now is asking is, what's the life, <laughs> average life expectancy of a white-tailed doe? I would say that for the most part, once you get past about seven or eight years or maybe into the ninth year by then, most of them go by the wayside for, uh, through natural causes or just uh, who knows why. I mean, for a lot of different reasons. But, again, if that deer is in an area where it's got good food and it's not having to chew on rocks and sand and, you know, really gritty material, those teeth don't wear down as quickly. And, two, if they're on a good nutritional uh uh, a good nutritional plane, then uh, they're going to do just fine. Their, their teeth don't wear down as quickly. One of the things we've noticed in some of these places now where we are, we've been doing supplemental feeding, you're, those as from the time they're conceived as fetuses, uh, they're on a good nutritional level, and guess what? Their teeth don't wear down as quickly. The teeth are stronger. They're they're more solid, and so those deer can live into a you know a lot longer age, and and also also produce for a lot longer years. Wow, that is just amazing to me that uh, that a deer can a doe can still be productive in her upper teens if she lasts that long if she's in good health. That's that's pretty amazing. Um, Last day of deer season, I was down to 30 minutes left in my deer season, uh, Larry, and I needed two does for my freezer, and it happened. Kind of like my my spring turkey hunt uh, that I told you about, you know. I had an opportunity to take two, and I did that. I took two does for my freezer because we love to eat uh, that venison. It's just so good and so good for us. Uh, But if we're going to do that and we really want to manage our deer, we probably need to take a look at those does before we shoot them, just like we do our bucks. Do you age a doe about the same way you do a buck? It's actually tougher to age a doe than you than the buck because, but some of the principles are still the same. And the fact that they get a little bit sway back, they get a little pot bellied, and their necks seem to decrease in size. You know, as muscle tone wears down once they get into those older ages. Oh, I, I, I get tickled sometimes when people says, well, I need to shoot X number of does. Which one should I shoot? There, we had a biologist and a dear friend of mine for many years, uh, Eugene Fox. Gene's description when he was on the Kerr Wildlife Management area doing all kinds of research, when somebody asked him, which is the best doe to shoot? He said, the one that you can put the crosshairs on and pull the trigger, <laughs> that's the one you shoot. And, you know, don't worry so much about whether you're shooting a young one or old one. The only thing we kind of need to be careful of is, uh, particularly when we're shooting a fair number of does, which we need to do in a lot of places, is to really look that animal over to make certain that it's not a little old six-month-old nubbin-headed buck because they have a tendency during that age to be 
pretty much of a doofus. <laughs> so yeah. they show up sometimes <laughs> in places where, uh, you know, they can get them in trouble. But uh, that, that's usually the only advice I give when people ask about what nose should I shoot is, again, as Gene Fox said, the one you can put the crosshairs on and pull the trigger. But make certain that it is indeed a, a doe as opposed to the little buck or a buck maybe that is even has shed his antlers for the year. Yeah, that's exactly right. Very, very good point, uh, which leads to good optics and other conversations. Are you still shooting yes, those American-made, uh, never-break-down Ruger rifles? You know, I do. I, I'm no longer officially, quote-unquote, connected with Ruger like I was, but I love my Ruger rifles, particularly the Ruger number ones, single shots. And, uh, you know, those things have never let me down. And, and as I've gotten older, I've gotten to appreciate prettier wood. And so whenever I can buy a Ruger that's got a got a nice piece of wood on it, I know it's going to shoot well. You know, it's going to shoot accurately. And I always love it prettier to look at than some of those that are made out of stocks made out of synthetics or out of uh a laminate type thing, although those stocks really have their value in, in areas where you're dealing with all kinds of really weird, particularly wet weather conditions. Yeah, that's right. I'm a synthetic guy because I, I use them, and and uh, I'm not real delicate with them, and I'm not the best guy about cleaning them up afterwards, so <laughs> I'm, I'm well, a synthetic you, guy. <laughs> if you look in the mirror, you'll see me the same thing, but... <laughs> Uh, there has always been you clean a gun when it quits, you know, not shooting accurately anymore. If you looked at some of the really pretty wood that I've got on my guns, you'd notice that there's a whole lot of dings and scratches in those as well, too. <laughs> this is a Kinder Outdoors Conservation Minute. A focus on people that make a difference. At the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation, we're really happy to have more than 50,000 kids in school classrooms learning about archery, fishing, boating, and other outdoor skills each year. We're thrilled that we have grown to schools across the United States and continue to grow. We're humbled that teaching wildlife conservation to our future generations have been so eagerly accepted by more than a quarter million kids so far. We're happy, thrilled, and humbled. But we're not stopping. The Outdoor Adventures program in junior highs and high schools across America has proven to be a hit with kids. And in case after case, we've seen Outdoor Adventures' young lives changed. Kids that just were not into school and not involved are now excited to get into the classroom each day because of Outdoor Adventures. The kids earn classroom credit by learning the outdoor basics, and they smile while learning. If you want Outdoor Adventures in your local school, Contact me, Scott McClure. I'm at GoOTF.com. That's Scott at GoOTF.com. Preserving what we love and educating the next generation every day. To learn more, visit us at KinderOutdoors.com. The granddaddy of all hunting shows, The Hunter's Extravaganza, returns to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. Bring the kids and see Gator Country's huge alligators and last season's bucks in our annual deer contest. Check out the latest in hunting gadgets and gear and enter our locked and loaded mega giveaway to win big. The Hunter's Extravaganza, coming this summer to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. For details and tickets, go to Hunter'sExtravaganza.com. A Texas Trophy Hunters production. Hey, I want to let you know about something that's brand new and coming to South Dakota this fall, the Dead Rabbit Lodge. <laughs> you see, the owner received his higher learning from the University of South Dakota, the Coyotes. 
The dreaded enemy of the University of South Dakota Coyotes is the South Dakota State University Jackrabbits, therefore the name, the Dead Rabbit. The Dead Rabbit Lodge sits on the eastern bluffs of Big Blue Lake Oahe. The view from your giant Western Canada Red Cedar Lodging stretches from the dam to the south almost all the way up to North Dakota. The Big Lodge is finest splendor from top to bottom, perfect for big family or corporate groups. But the Dead Rabbit will also feature separate hotel-style rooms, a great game room and bar for entertaining, guest-only dining featuring the Rabbit's award-winning chef, oh, and about 40,000 acres of the finest pheasant hunting in the world. You won't forget the dead rabbit. These are unsettling and even scary times for many people. But for others, there's peace, even as an angry world cries out. The source of that peace is Jesus Christ. I'm John Watson, pastor at Cornerstone Bible Church in Roanoke, Texas. At Cornerstone, we teach the Bible with no man-made religion added in. Join us online Sunday mornings at 1015 Central at csbiblechurch.org. It's just God's Word csbiblechurch.org At Classic Chevrolet Grapevine we know all about the early morning memories made in the cab of the truck Because it's fun to um, be able to uh, do something with my dad and my older brother So what time did you have to get up this morning to uh, to get all the way down here and dressed and fed and ready to go? 4.30 4.30 Don't you normally get up about 4.30 though? Mm-mm. No, no way <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's fun, though, when you're coming out to the dove field to get up that early. It's kind of exciting, isn't it? Yes. There you go. Did you see your daddy shooting at that dove right then? Yes. Do you see that dove still flying? Uh, probably. (laughs) At Classic Chevrolet in Grapevine, Texas, we know that the cab of the truck is a special place. It's where family heritage is carried down the trail. Important things happen here. Trusted conversations, understanding smiles, life's victories and laughter. Sometimes tears. We're honored to ride along with your family. ClassicChevrolet.com Wing shooting in Argentina is an activity that must be experienced rather than explained. Dove are considered to be a plague in the area, so there are no bag limits, and there are no seasons to hunt them. We've got 20 million birds on the roost, and they're there 365 days a year. They're there every day, all day. They fly eight hours a day, every day. At Cordoba Doves, you'll enjoy delicious food, exceptional hospitality, beverages in the field your own personal bird boy bird boy's job is to pour shells in your bag uh, when you're going through a box every five minutes and keep count of the birds that you've shot and to bring you something to drink every few minutes at the end of the day we pick up all the holes and pick up the birds but you can't send him out to pick up birds at six or eight hundred times a day experience the very best that argentina has to offer through cordoba doves Contact the U.S. Representative Lane Balky at CordobaDoves.com. My name is Jose Grasso, the owner of JJ Caseria. Can see me in Argentina. For the land of the free and the home of the brave. From high school gyms to towering stadiums, every time I see our flag wave, I feel a humbling reminder of the brave who keep and have kept us free. I stand to honor the sacrifices of the generations before me. Heroes who charged in the battle through bombs and bullets, who lost their brothers and still pushed through, fighting for every inch of our freedom. I stand for my brothers who can't stand anymore, men who hunted terrorists to the ends of the earth, who sacrificed their bodies and their lives so that we 
could peacefully live ours. I stand for the children, the spouses, and parents whose family made the ultimate sacrifice for us. We are all standing. We're the National Rifle Association of America, and we are freedom's safest place. That view from the porch is pretty awesome this time of year. Let's sit and visit a while at Kinder Outdoors. I'm Billy Kinder. This is Kinder Outdoors, and we've got a six-pack of tickets to the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganzas for you. Uh, these six tickets are good at any of the three Texas Trophy Hunter shows, Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. All of those shows coming up in August, and if you would like to go, start here at kinderoutdoors.com. K-I-N-D-E-R, like kindergarten, K-I-N-D-E-R, kinderoutdoors.com. It is a simple registration. And get this, if you put your name in the hat today, it stays in there if your name is not drawn for those tickets on Monday. You're automatically entered next time around. Kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R. Get registered and get your tickets to the Texas Trophy Hunters Extravaganzas. We're focusing on whitetail deer on the show today with Mr. Whitetail, Larry Wysoon, Kinder Outdoors Pro Staff. And I want to take you back to a piece now that Larry and I did two years ago on opening day of deer season. If you think buck fever is limited to the first time you ever look down the barrel of that rifle and see a gigantic deer, you're wrong. It can happen for no apparent reason at any time no matter how seasoned you are in the field. You know, it truly is. And the weather that we've had here as of late with the cool coming in, we are totally blessed coming into the other Texas whitetail seasons and uh, couldn't be better. Hey, uh, let's talk about something. You and I have never talked about this before, and that is buck fever. And, it, you know, people laugh about it. We talk about it. But that's a, that's a very real condition that happens sometimes when, we're looking at maybe uh, an incredible deer standing in front of us or, or a, a, a huge mule deer or, or bear, whatever it might be. You're exactly right, and it's something I continue to experience even these many years <laughs> that I've been hunting. You can see me, I'd be double over laughing almost because you describe a condition that, I mean, it, it, it's amazing. Sometimes one of the best or worst cases of buck fever I ever had was an old six-point buck that, we were trying to get rid of on a piece of property, and I mean, I was hunting with a pistol, and he was out there about 75 yards, and by the time I pulled the trigger, I was shaking so bad, I hit the ground about 15 yards in front of me. So, I mean, it's something that can affect all of us. <laughs> it can affect all of us, and it's amazing how it can overtake us. Uh, uh, when that happens, it's a really good idea to back off of the shot for just a second, kind of gather your wits a little, I guess. Huh? What do you do? You're exactly right. One of the things that I try to do, as soon as that animal comes out, I'll look at his antlers. And then after that, that buck fever sets in for a little bit because it's something that I may really want to take, or maybe a big fat doe as well, too. And then immediately I start concentrating on where I want to place my shot and just try to totally take several deep breaths and try to get in a totally different frame of mind to where my job becomes to put that animal down as quickly and humanely as, as earthly possible. And with doing that, I have a tendency to kind of get that adrenaline level to kind of come down just a little bit, and then I can 
make sure that I know where the crosshairs are, where the sights are when I when I pull that trigger. And, and but even so, I mean, there's there's a certain amount of excitement. But I think some of the things that you need to do sometimes just kind of turn away from that animal for just a little bit, take a deep breath, you know, maybe look back at him and, and then start resuming the operation of trying to put that animal down. Yeah, it's really important that we not get in a hurry. And I know that our shot window sometimes is just a matter of seconds, uh, but that's usually when something bad happens, a missed shot or a wounded animal, something like that, when we rush our shot. You're exactly right. Turn away from it. And the last thing we want to look at is that set of antlers sitting up there. (laughs) You're right. Like I said, I'd, I'd look at that. To me, one of my primary things is I've, I want to hunt mature animals. I want to take mature animals. So I, I finally, after all these years, I looked at the antlers. Yep, he's got both antlers there. Yes, he's the style that we're looking for. My gosh, he's big. And then, again, look at the animal in, in terms to make sure that he's a mature animal. And then I start concentrating on where I want to put the shot and try to, even before the crosshairs or the sights go up, I'm and imagining where those sights are going to be. Then when they come up, it seems like I can slow down a little bit in terms of not rushing the shot because that's something that happens very often. I mean, somebody see a, a big animal, oh, my God, i got to get him on the ground now, and bang, and you miss. Yeah, that's happens. exactly right. Yeah, it does. And, and it's amazing to me how it can it can come about, like you were talking about that old six-point you shot, uh, and oh, you yeah. had killed many, many deer before that. Uh, it can happen to even a seasoned hunter, but you know who – seems to be kind of immune from it, I've noticed through the years, is kids. We worry about them kids the most. But when it comes ladies. time for that shot, <laughs> and ladies, they, they, they focus. They focus, listen to what they've been told, and do a good job. You're exactly right. It, I've, 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 I've taken a lot of kids hunting over the years, including my own and my grandkids and all that, and they seem to be so much calmer. But as I said, for the most part, most ladies that I've ever hunted with are very, very, they're, you know, you say, there's a really nice buck. No, you know, she'll say the one with the great big antlers. Okay, the gun goes up. No heavy breathing, no fast breathing, no increased heart rate or anything. Bang, the deer goes down on the spot. And then as they start walking up to this animal, they got their voice, you know, increases in the, to where it's so high-pitched you almost can't hear it, and the knees start shaking. And I've often said if there was a, a feminine trait, trait that I, as a male, could have, it would be that one. So, and kids do the same thing. I mean, it, 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 they seem to be a – I've seen some people, some ladies and kids get excited to start with, but – for the most part, not like some of the guys that I've taken out hunting. I've taken out some very seasoned hunters that, that missed a deer by 30 yards because they had such a bad case of buck fever. Yes, sir. It happens. So when it happens, guys, if it happens to you, take a deep breath. It's important to remember to breathe. And like Larry said, focus on that target <laughs> spot. Focus on that target spot. That's exactly right. Larry, I know you're hunting today. Good luck. Go get them, and we'll talk to you again soon. Can't wait for it to talk to you the next time, Mr. Billy. We'll see you. Good luck to everybody. Happy birthday, Larry Wysoon, Mr. Whitetail. Well. In case you missed it, Larry joined us on that Kinder Outdoors trot line about an hour ago, and it was all about antlers. Larry, welcome back. Always a pleasure when I get to visit with you. Billy, this is one of the favorite things I get to do is to share a conversation with you and the folks that are out there. And, you know, it's one of those things a lot of times, you know, I'll start talking a little bit about some direction, and then all of a sudden we'll change direction. So you never quite know what's <laughs> going to come out, and I really, truly appreciate that. Well, you know, we could be talking about something deep and scientific one minute, and then, uh, you know, your favorite crappie frying recipe the next. You just never know. Mm, I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
and uh, and you know we had to have you on uh, with us live this weekend because uh, we're going back and playing a lot of pieces as you know uh, from from our previous conversations. It's kind of a a best of Mr. Whitetail weekend at Kinder Outdoors. So uh, you are a oh, guest wow. on it. <laughs> I am truly honored. I'll tell you, there, there's no place I'd rather be that than with your show. Let me tell you that as well, too. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about antler growth. I'm getting all these great pictures uh, back from, from uh, areas where I hunt. And it's almost day by day, Larry, that I can see an inch or two inch or four inches, it looks like, of growth in these different deer that are coming to visit my camera. Uh, it's just amazing what God did when he created antler growth and how rapidly that cycle takes place. You know, if you look at it from a scientific perspective, the only thing that grows faster than antlers are some of the cancer cells kind of thing. And you're right. Literally, if, if you or I or whoever could sit there over a period of about, say, six hours, eight hours, you could actually see that antler growing. That's how fast it grows. And uh, it is. And we're we're probably, oh, my God, maybe about uh, maybe half of uh, the way along. I've looked at some pictures of some bucks that really looking good this year. And uh, it's going to be a heck of an antler year. But you're right. Those, the antlers this year, we've had good pond survival rates in the years back, like three, four, five, six years ago. And uh, there are lots of bucks. Seems like there were more buck ponds barring during that time frame. And, oh, my gosh, it's getting exciting at this point again. Hey, we're going to make a little run to the coffee pot, but Larry and I will pick it up right there when we come back. Thank you so much for hanging out with us at Kinder Outdoors. If you'd like to learn more about us, any of our pros, register for that six-pack of tickets to the Texas Trophy Hunters extravaganza, or drop off a picture for the bragging board. We've got you covered. KinderOutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R. Come see me. This is Michael Waddell. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. The Quail Coalition, the backbone for the important work and research that brings brighter days for our quails and the people that love them. With 12 chapters throughout Texas, there's ample opportunity for you to join the celebration. The money raised in our chapter banquets goes to various research projects conducted by folks like the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in West Texas, Caesar Kleberg Wildlife Research Institute in South Texas, and all that pursue productive science-based work that sustains and restores wild quail populations. If you've ever followed your trusted bird dog into a setting December sun or listened from the porch to the summer song of the bobwhite, then you know just how special this bird is. Populations have declined drastically across the U.S., and the last stronghold is Texas. Come and join the Quail Coalition. Attend a banquet. Bid at an auction. Be important to quail. Quailcoalition.org. Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. Grass-fed beef is high in omega-3s and conjugated linoleic acid, which is known as CLAs. In layman terms, it's a type of fat that your body can use, and it doesn't damage your heart or any part of your vascular system. Buy better beef for your family. We manage holistically, or some people call it regeneratively. We want everything that we do to be a part of our good stewardship of the land. We think that's what God's put us here to do, so... 
the cattle are healthy and the land's healthy. We want both. We don't want one or the other. If you were to buy a grass-fed, grass-finished steak by the pound, you'd pay anywhere from 18 to $30 a pound. But if you buy a quarter, half, or whole, you're ranging from anywhere $7.80 and below. So you're paying a third of the price for that steak and, you know, those good cuts. And you get a whole lot more bang for your buck when you buy in bulk. Don't let 2020 happen in your home again. CanyonValleyProvisions.com Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations. Crappie anglers, tired of tying knots? Hey, Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to tell you about the all-new Add-A-Hook by Bullet Weights. The Add-A-Hook is designed to put a hook on your line without using any knots or cutting your line. Hold the Add-A-Hook next to your fishing line, then wrap the line five times around each side. Pull your line into the clips, and bam, you're ready to go, and it will not slip. I can tie a double crappie rig in 30 seconds when it takes up to six minutes to tie one with all the knots. Add a hook is made of stainless steel, no rust, flexible, and tough. Mr. Crappie and Bullet Weights has made it better, faster, and easier for crappie fishermen to get back in the water catching more crappie than ever. Bullet Weights has a full line of Mr. Crappie double mental rigs for trolling and vertical fishing. The Mr. Crappie Troll Check rigs are designed to troll in shallow waters and heavy cover, keeping two baits close together without hanging up. Also, don't forget Mr. Crappie Slow Troll and Double Drop Crappie Rigs. Pre-tied with number two hooks, double swivel weights, and eight-pound line. Tie one on today. Look us up at bulletweights.com. If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky, oily messes, then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom. So your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, Never duplicated. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, delicious every time. CajunFryer.com. There are plenty of fish in the creek behind the camp house. Feel free to take a ride down from the wall and catch a few. Kinder Outdoors. Man, that sounds good right now. I think I'll go thaw some crappie fillets, get that Cajun fryer ready to roll this evening, about 355, 360 degrees. Yes, sir. Crappie is good for, hey, dinner any day, seven days a week, (laughs) lunch. You ever had a crappie sandwich? Yeah. You talk about a po' boy. And hey, at my church, we do a big, the men's get-together, and we do a monthly, kind of a monthly or bi-monthly breakfast. And once a year, we have crappie and eggs. Can't beat it. Here's another guy that loves those crappie, my friend Larry Wysoon. We'll resume that conversation, pick it right up where we left off, talking about antlers. I'm seeing more bucks, uh, bachelor groups, uh, coming to visit me on camera right now. Uh, than I've seen in four or five years. So you're right on the money. You're spot on uh, with that here in Texas uh, anyway. Um, I know some people are suffering some terrific drought out west and, and uh, 
weather can affect antler growth too, but maybe not in the way uh, that you think it would. Are, will antlers grow better in a wet year or a dry year, Larry? What do you think? <laughs> you know, it depends a whole lot upon what that vegetation is used to. Is a lot of the desert country when you have in a lot of you know varied habitats as far as deer concerned, at least in the western say two thirds are kind of a semi desert kind of thing. In a relatively normal year, meaning a reasonable amount of rainfall, but it's very timely. It seems like the nutrition is better in the vegetation that they eat than compared to when they have that lot of rain in that desert situation where you get tremendous spurts of growth in the vegetation. doesn't seem that the nutrition is carried to the tips of those that growing vegetation when it grows that fast compared to when you have kind of a normal year. So uh, it's going to be interesting in, in, in a lot of respects. I know in parts of Texas, like on my little place, in July, I think I've had 17 inches of rain alone. And, I mean, it is one of those situations where things are growing up. I can't see farms. I can see the uh, right now. I just barely see the tips of ears and the tips of antlers on some of the little bucks that are out there. So <laughs> it, it's an interesting year, but, again, it kind of comes down to the fact in some areas where we have a fair amount of rainfall, it ought to really be good. And then in some instances where the desert situation where you have a tremendous amount of rain, sometimes that nutrition isn't quite there. So, But either way, it's going to be across the board a really good antler year, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and so – Given that that weather info uh, from Larry, you guys that hunt elk and mule deer out west, uh, take heart. It might be a better year than maybe what you were anticipating with all that uh, that drought and, and terrible dryness uh, going on out west. I was up on the Valentine National Grasslands in Nebraska a few years yes, back, and I was visiting with the biologist there, Mel Nineman, and and we were looking at some young elk, uh, and some some bull elk in the uh, summertime out grazing, and uh, and I said, Mel, how fast do those antlers grow? And he said, well, I think, you know, in a good year, about four inches a day. <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? He said, no. He said, I think at the height of growth, four inches a day happens. And, and that made me start paying more attention to it than I ever had. It's phenomenal how fast they can grow these antlers. It really is. And on elk, of course, you're dealing with a bigger body down the same thing with the moose, and they've got to produce more antlers than comparative probably to, or maybe about the same as what you do to white-tailed deer. But if you took that percentage of, in terms of weight and size and reduced it down to uh, a white-tailed deer, so basically, you know, you're talking about a half an inch or so, maybe even a three-quarters of an inch. In certain times of, the, of that growth stage, it may grow a full inch or better almost in a day. Yeah, and I'm seeing it on camera. It's just crazy. I said, I've got to talk to Larry about how fast these antlers are growing. And I hope they grow right up that like that right up until the minute I pull that trigger. Uh, keep growing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine with me. Talk uh, for, for those folks that are just listening, we've got a lot of brand-new hunters, and they're just getting started, Larry. Talk to us about the cycle on a white-tailed deer, uh, the, the antler cycle. The antler cycle, we'll pick it up where we are right about now, where these antlers are growing in velvet, and that velvet produces or carries the nutrition and nutrients such as calcium, phosphorus, oh, gosh, manganese, zinc, copper, protein, up into those antlers. So it's going to grow, and what's happening is is the testosterone level kind of controls antler cycle development. So the testosterone level is going up right now, same time as what these antlers are growing. There's a period of time coming about the time when those antlers are completely grown 
that uh, and that usually in across North America on whitetails is usually in 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 September sometime. There is a peak in testosterone that constricts the blood vessels that go up into what's producing the antlers. So that velvet essentially dies. Now a lot of bucks will help rub it off because it's kind of starting to crack and there may still be some nerves there so they're starting to itch so they rub it off and in most instances they'll eat it that testosterone level continues to grow a little bit going up and for a while the bucks are all still big buddies and in bachelor herds and they'll groom each other and then the next thing you know they start kind of sparring just amongst themselves a little bit and they're still kind of halfway buddies but all of a sudden too that that testosterone level again takes another little bit of a jump and the guy that was uh, your best friend as a buck, all of a sudden you can't stand him anymore. And then you go into the to that breeding season is where that testosterone level is at an all-time high. It stays that way until, and it's all daylight related. The amount of daylight hours when you get right down to it is, uh, controls how that testosterone goes up or down. And it'll, that testosterone level will stay high across the North America probably until about, in the northern parts, probably till about December, farther south here, you know, into January and even February, then all of a sudden there is a drop in testosterone. And when that drop occurs, that's when that abscission line, where that antler attaches to the pedicle, it's interesting in that an hour before that antler is ready to drop off, you can, be, you can break off with a baseball bat. But when it occurs, it occurs very immediately. There's an abscission line, the antler falls off, Testosterone level kind of goes down for a little bit for a few days, and then it generally starts going up, slowly, slowly going up. And as it slowly starts going up again, that's when you start seeing the, the skin cover, the, the pedicle, and, and the formation of the new antler. And so it's a continually thing that goes on throughout the year, and it has to do a lot with the amount of daylight hours that that deer is seeing or getting and then also the rise and fall of testosterone. Now, interestingly, you can, can take it to a point where in years past we did some research back in troll and light. You could actually grow two sets of antlers on a, on a buck's head each year. Wow. Phenomenal stuff. It's just it amazing. And, and, you, and you and I have, have looked at this stuff, and you've studied it deeply for a lifetime, and it still just amazes me, Larry. It's amazing. The mystery of uh, antler development. There's a lot of mysteries over the years that we've solved, but when you get right down to it, we kind of we we know how some things happen, why some things happen, but to say, okay, this is the definitive thing that you know, no, nobody's really ever been able to say that this is exactly what it is. Wow, just amazing. Uh, this is what this is. We're going to have a Dallas Safari Club convention and expo in January in person. In person, and I am so excited. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is our 40th one, so it is going to be an unbelievable show, if you will. Oh, my goodness, yeah. People are already, you know, making their reservations and taking time off, blocking it out. They're going to come from all over the world. Make sure you're one of them. Learn more at tenderoutdoors.com. We've got it all there. As always, Larry, good talking to you. We'll see you soon. I'm looking forward to visiting with you the first morning at Deer Seed, but not sooner. <laughs> Happy birthday, my dear old friend, Larry Wysoon, on a Wysoon weekend. If you missed anything, want to hear it again, whatever, we've got it all for you at kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R. That's where you can register to win that six-pack of tickets to the Texas Trophy Hunters as well. Thanks a lot for hanging out with us today. I always greatly appreciate it, and I never want to be slight in telling you thank you. I really appreciate you. I also want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the time we've had together in this old camp house today. And listen, I'd like to invite you to go to church with me tomorrow. 
You can do that from the bow of the boat or your favorite chair. Come see me at kinderoutdoors.com and we'll have a link to my church, Cornerstone Bible Church. It's just God's Word. Nothing added to it or taken away. I also want to invite you right back here next time around. Until then, may God bless you and your bunch. Woo! <laughs>